that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? You know, someone said that the worst thing you can say to a person that you haven't seen in about all oh, 10 or 15 years is you haven't changed a bit. You haven't changed a bit. Now, what he was talking about is that I'm not talking about as far as if you see someone for the first time in 15 years and, you know, you say, well, your appearance hasn't changed a bit. You know, our egos like that. I mean, we, we all want to hear that. But what I'm talking about, what he was referring to is the character of a man. To look at someone you haven't seen in 15 years and say, you haven't changed a bit. In other words, your character hasn't changed a bit. That's the worst thing you can say to a human being. Now, the question I want to deal with today is a simple one. The question is, when will you change? When will you change? You know, the concept that most people have about salvation is that salvation is just mere acceptance. And that once I accept Jesus Christ into my heart, that's basically, you really don't think about it anymore. And it's really not about change from that point forward. You hear very little about real conversion today in today's churchy, church, <laughs> in the world of churchianity, I should, I should say, or the world of Christianity. The focus really is more about just getting people to accept but the focus is really not on developing the character of a man. And that's what real salvation is all about. Now, I think a lot of people in their mind think, well, okay, the change, change will take place at the resurrection, when Christ returns and resurrects the saints. Well, there is a change that's going to take place then. It is your physical body is going to be changed to a, uh, to, to a spiritual body, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's why your body has to be changed from what it is right now, flesh and blood, to a spirit being. You're going to be given a new body. Yeah, that's an incredible change that's going to take place at the resurrection. But that is not the change I'm talking about. What I'm asking today is this. When does the character of a man change? You know, people are waiting on you to change. Did, did you know that? Oh, yeah. Your boss man is waiting on you to change. Your wife, your husband is waiting on you to change. Your co-workers, friends. And sometimes we look at our family members and we say, I wonder when, you know, fathers are waiting on their sons to change. Mothers are waiting on their daughters to change. And, of course, God is waiting on everybody to change. But, yeah, people are waiting on you to change. And the question is, when do we change? When do we develop the kind of character that God wants, is my question. From God's perspective, when do we develop the kind of character that God wants us to have? When does that process take place? Now, it may come as a shock, an absolute surprise to you, to realize that there are some things that God cannot do. 
Maybe I should say there are some things that God refuses to do. But here's the thing that God cannot or refuses to do. God cannot instantaneously create godly character in a man. You know, by divine fiat, just boom, okay, have character. He can't do that. He refuses to do that, I should say. But he cannot create instantaneously divine godly character within a man. Uh, it is a process, is my point. Now, God could have programmed us, and like a robot, like a computer, where we would always do the right thing. He could have done that, and I guess we would live by instinct, you know. And sometimes we struggle. We say, well, I wish it was easier. Did you know that there are some beings out there that cannot sin? And that's, that's the struggle, right? I wish it was easier to resist sin. I wish, why did it, God have to make it so hard for us to resist evil, to resist temptation? I wish it was easier. Did you know there are beings out there that cannot sin? They're called cows. Cows never sin. They just do what they do. They munch on grass, chew the cud, and, and uh, cows never sin. But they're living by instinct. We, on the other hand, have been created a free, we are, we've been created with the same kind of characteristics that God has. God is a free moral agent with the ability to choose right from wrong. And so he created his family to be children of God, that is, speaking of you and me, we are potential children of God. He created us the same way, a free moral agent with the ability to look at something that is right and look at something that is wrong and to choose between the two. Now you get this right from the get-go with the creating of Adam and Eve. And you realize, okay, they had free choice. And they chose poorly. They chose the evil instead of the good. But the question we're dealing with today is how do we develop godly character, the kind of character that God has? Now, what kind of character, character does God have? Well, when faced with right and wrong, God always chooses to do the right thing. That's basically the kind of character that God has. When faced with right and wrong, God always chooses to do the right thing. And so how do we develop that same kind of characteristic that God has, that we could always choose to do the right thing? Imagine the confidence that you would have if you could do that, that whatever you were faced with, you knew you had two choices and that you would make the right choice. Wow, what a confident booster. You know, we, we, we run around, people run around wondering what will develop their, you know, psychological confidence or whatever, and, and how can we have more confidence? Well, let me tell you how to have more confidence. Do the right thing. That's how you can have more confidence. Do the right thing. But how do we get there? Now, in order to answer this question, how can we develop the kind of character that God wants? We must go back in time. Earlier in history to a being called Lucifer, who became Satan, the devil. He was a great rebel of his day, and Lucifer that is. Well, let's read a scripture about him in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15. It says, you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now, these beings <clears throat> were created, these angelic beings, they were created perfect. 
And they were created, the angelic realm was created, sort of like we human beings in that they were created a free moral agent. They could choose right from wrong. And what happened was a great rebellion took place. Lucifer, which led a third of these beings with him, the angels that is, they rebelled against God and they, they chose what was wrong. Instead of choosing the good, they chose poorly. They chose to rebel against God and try to overthrow God. Now, here's what we got to deal with. How were these beings created? Now get this. They were created immortal, spirit beings. In other words, these guys last forever. The angels do, that is. That's how God created them. Now, they were created perfect, but they rebelled. They had free moral agency, but they rebelled and did, they chose poorly. They chose wrongly, but they were created immortal spirit beings. Now, sometimes people, so the, these angelic beings last forever. Now, some peop, sometimes people say, well, why didn't God give us, we human beings, eternal life from the get-go? He gave the angelic beings immortality from the get-go. They were created spirit beings. So why didn't, why didn't God, in creating mankind, give us immortality from the get-go? I mean, after all, if, if all salvation is about is eternal life, and you know, that's what most people think. If you ask most people, give me a definition of salvation, they will say, well, to live forever. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. Than that. The answer is, you know, salvation is not just about achieving eternal life. Eternal life is just a byproduct of real salvation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true salvation that leads to that desirable thing that we all want. And that is to live forever. We all want to live forever. But true salvation, you know, eternal life is just a byproduct of true salvation. Now, I'm convinced that most people do not understand what real salvation is. Real salvation is the total transformation of the character of a man. Let me repeat that. Real salvation is the total transformation of the character of a man. It is the total transformation of you, your character, what you choose, right and wrong, total transformation. Now, why is total transformation so important to God? Now, we're dealing with the question here, when will you change? Okay, we're dealing with this question. Well, let's, let's, let's deal with some reality here. When we ask the question, why is total transformation so important? Suppose God gave uh, Adolf Hitler eternal life. Adolf Hitler was a, a madman, probably demon-possessed. He wanted to create a superior race of people. And the way he's going to do that is to eliminate all those he thought were inferior. He wasn't going to give them a chance to turn it around, the inferior ones, that is. He was just going to eliminate them and to create a superior race of people. And so he killed, what, six million Jews or something like that? But why couldn't God just grant Adolf, suppose God had given Adolf Hitler, or we human beings, immortality from the get-go. And you'd have these madmen running around like Adolf Hitler, Stalin, you know, killing people right and left. Well, you know, it's really a very simplistic question. Why? You know, or why couldn't God give, let's say, Ted Bundy, a serial, think of some serial killer that you're familiar with, a story that you heard, you know, Ted Bund Bundy 
raped and brutally raped and killed more than, I think, 25 women. They speculated maybe more than 50, but they never knew for sure. But, you know, why couldn't God grant him eternal life? Well, your answer, and you would have the correct answer, you would say, well, they have to change first. And we're dealing with the question, when will you change? And you would be absolutely right. Yes, the reason God could not grant someone like Adolf Hitler or Ted Bundy or some serial killer eternal life is because they would just make a mess of things. They would continue their evil. They would continue their sin. They would continue to destroy everything around us and destroy mankind and do evil. That's the reason. So they would have to change first. So again, we're dealing with the question, when will you change? Now, the problem is we often excuse ourselves too easily when we talk about the subject of changing. We say things like, well, you know, a little bit of pornography isn't so bad, maybe between a husband and wife, and I'm somewhat of a womanizer, but it's not that bad, and I, I lie sometimes when it's convenient, you know, and uh, a little, I, yeah, I got a little anger issue going on, but it's not that bad. We, the problem with us is we excuse ourselves to blame easily. And from God's perspective, these are character flaws. The things I just mentioned, they are character flaws that cannot be given or granted eternal life. Why? Well, because you'd make a mess of things. You'd make a mess of things. So why is total transformation so important? I'm trying to answer this question here. Now, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant to say what I'm about to say. But there may be things that God can learn from experience. You know, we like to think God knows it all. God knows, you know, who I'm going to marry, who I'm going to, when I'm going to die, and how I'm going to die, and God knows it all. We like to think that, and it's not like a superficial God that knows, knows everything, you know. Uh, he knows everything, a fatalistic, excuse me, God that knows everything. That's sort of the God that a lot of people worship. And yet, there's a verse in Hebrews 5 and verse 8 that says, Though he were a son, yet learn he obedience by the things which he suffered. So here was Christ in the flesh, God in the flesh, and he was able to learn, get this, things by the things that he suffered. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Now, what I'm saying is, is, is this. There was a time when these beings were created, that is the angels, the spirit immortal beings, without the character test coming first. In other words, he didn't test them first. These beings, these beings that he had created, immortal. The character test didn't come first. And I take it that God would never again repeat this experience in other words, a third of these angels rebelled. They were free moral agents. They could choose to do the wrong thing, and they did. So from that point, the character test had to come first. And this is where you and I come in at. We are created mortal, subject to death. And if we fail the character test, we can be put out of our misery. Yeah. So this is the difference between, you know, immortal beings like the, ange the angels and we human beings, which are mortal, subject to death. But for us, the character test has to come first. 
So we're asking, how do we get to the point where we are like, where we become like God? God can look at something that is right and wrong and choose to do the right thing. You know, you are not truly free unless you are free to do the wrong thing. True freedom always involves two opposing choices, opposite choices. Now, again, I know we don't like that. Sometimes we say, well, I, you know, I wish, I wish it was easier. Okay, you want easier? Maybe you should have been a cow or a dog or whatever. It is tough. It is tough. But it is something that is possible for you to do, to choose to do the right thing. And I'm going to explain to some degree how you can do that. So the character test had to come first. And this is what I call, when a person is truly called of God, they enter in the salvation room process. And it is a process that is overseen by God the Father, Christ the Son, maybe the 24 elders as they discuss you and what's going on in your life and your salvation and the character building process and whether you pass or fail those character tests. Now, you know, I think about this compared to the idiotic concept of deathbed repentance in the sinner's prayer. You know, what God is truly after is to create beings with character like himself. And so I think of these, you know, these, this concept of deathbed repentance or would you send a minister by here and say the sinner's prayer over me? Well, when do you pass the character test is my question. When do you ever get around to passing the character test? The character test has to come first in real conversion, with real conversion. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My question is this, when do we do this, if you're a Christian? Will you do it today? Romans 6 and verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The question is, when do we get around to doing this? When do we do this? Romans 6 and verse 16, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. When do we learn to serve obedience unto righteousness? Well, it's all a part of the character test. And we're learning it today if God has truly called you and you enter into, if God has truly called you, you, are, you have entered into the salvation room process. It is a process of God knocking off the rough edges and building godly character within you. Ephesians 5 and verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jestings, uh, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, nor covetous man or idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You know, God is going, when Christ returns, he is going to resurrect his saints. You ever ask why do they call them saints? Well, it's because that's what they are, saints. 
Now consider this, when Christ returns and resurrects the first fruits, the saints of God, is he going to resurrect losers? I'm just asking the question. Is he going to resurrect a bunch of duds? Is he going to resurrect a bunch of practicing sinners? Is he going to resurrect those who have not borne any fruit? Is he going to resurrect those who have failed to overcome? I don't think so. I, like I said, there's a reason they're called saints. Revelation 2 and verse 11 says this. It says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. You know, I was looking at this scripture recently, and I thought to myself, now what happens if you don't overcome? It says, he that overcometh is not going to be hurt by the second death. And the second death is simply the end of you. It is where you are snuffed out, and there is no more remembrance of you. You exist no more. Nobody wants to experience the second death. Oh, it's important to all men to die once. We all have to die this physical death. We understand that. But the second death is something you don't want to have any part of. But notice what it says. It says, he that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. Well, what if you don't overcome your shortcomings, your sins? Well, that, it basically means you can be hurt by the second death. So my question is, when do we change? What excuse are you using not to be a winner? Did you know that word, he that overcometh, the word overcometh means to the winner? It's basically what it means. It means to the winner. He that overcometh, to the winner. The winners are not going to be hurt by the second death. The winners are going to enter in and eat of the tree of life. The inner, the, the, excuse me, the winners are going to have salvation. So when do we change is my question. Well, the answer is today, today. Now, none of this is possible unless you have God's spiritual DNA dwelling inside of you. You see, we were all created incomplete. We came into this world incomplete, lacking something. You know, and, and a lot of us are oblivious. We go through our lives just not realizing this. Now, there are some of you who do realize it, that you're lacking, that you are incomplete. You know there's a void missing in your life. You feel it, the emptiness inside of you. You know something is lacking. You see, all of your problems you're struggling with are spiritual. They really are. And all you've got to solve your spiritual problems is a physical mind and body. And it really doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, there is a spirit in man, and that's what puts us on a higher plane than the animal kingdom. In other words, we have free moral agencies. Animals have instinct. That's the difference between the two. But we can look at something that is right and something that is wrong and choose between the two. But my question is, how can we first of all know what is right and what is wrong? And then once we know what is right, how can we have the desire and power to choose what is right? That's the real issue. How do you have the desire and power to choose the thing that you know is right? Often we are failures in this area. This is why you need God's spiritual DNA. I want to offer you something here. It's a new publication entitled, How to Change and Please God. This is critical information. I'll send this to you free of charge. 
I won't sell your name to a mailing list. It's free of charge and I won't bug you either. You know, a lot of people when they get it, they're reluctant to get on a, you know, a, relig a religious show, their, their mailing list because they're afraid of oh, that person's gonna bug me to death. Well, I can guarantee you, you know, that I will not bug you. I will send you this and that's probably about the end you're, gonna, you're not gonna hear any more from me unless you want to or whatever, but, but how to change and please God. It is critical that you understand this information that there is something that is lacking and that you can have a part of God's spiritual DNA and you need to know how to go about receiving that spiritual DNA. It is critical for you to have this information, how to change and please God. I'll send that to you just by writing to the number at the end of this program. You know, Jesus said to a woman, he said, go and sin no more. That is really the issue that we all struggle with, is it not? Our sins, our, our shortcomings. And you know, when Jesus said, go and sin no more, that's what I call real change. Go and sin no more. And it is possible. It is possible for you to please God. I'm not saying that we can't, you know, far as sin no more, it is possible for you to overcome your shortcomings and sins. That I can guarantee you. But you need this information, how to change and please God. Order it today. I'm David Freeman. And remember, that's what's really in your Bible. Is it possible to change the man or the woman in the mirror? And if so, how? Are we simply victims of our past behaviors with no way out of our sins and addictions? Jesus told a woman to go and sin no more. This is real change. No longer a slave to sin. But how is this possible? You were created incomplete, lacking the necessary drive and desire that would cause you to do the right thing. The bottom line is this. You need a second spirit. Man's real problems are spiritual in nature, and the natural man simply cannot solve spiritual problems. How can we know what is right, and how can we have the desire and power to choose what is right? Real change is possible, and the ability to please God is possible, but it is only possible by receiving God's spiritual DNA. Order your free booklet entitled, How You Can Change and Please God. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at is that really in the Bible.net? For more information, check us out online at is that really in the Bible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is is that really in the Bible.net.